Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Banner. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, you can support what we're trying to create by heading over to yesodblocks.com and subscribing where you can get access to the Torah Netflix site that we are we have been and are building and developing over the last few months, uh, where all this content is laid out in an organized form, all the underlying principles that I keep referencing in this series, you can encounter them, learn them, absorb them, integrate them into your life in a way that is structured and organized properly, and that's the key to understanding all of halacha, all of Torah, all of ourselves, is to have a clear, coherent framework of understanding of the way that we are designed, the way the world is designed. So if you've been enjoying this series and you want to support what we're doing more, then please head over there because we can really use the support as we continue to build and expand all this and try to change the way the world sees Torah and instead of seeing it as something which is uh, archaic and unsophisticated that we have to step down to actually access instead to recognize and understand and realize that it is so sophisticated that it requires us to really open our minds, our understanding to higher and higher and higher levels of thought and levels of complexity to truly grasp what the Torah is about. So head over there and subscribe now. In this episode, we're continuing with the Erev Shabbos series. We're in the uh, Hilchos Shabbos uh, area, as opposed to during the week where we do we focus on regular or Achayim, which currently we're up to Siman uh, Nun, Nun Aleph in regular during the week Halachos. But on, on Erev Shabbos, we try to do a Halacha from Hilchos Shabbos and actually delve into the underlying depths uh, of what goes on in those areas of Halacha. And so definitely I recommend checking out the earlier previous episodes about Hilchos uh, Shabbos, so you can really get a bigger sense of the framework. The the halacha that we're up to now, we're in the middle of a very dense area of halacha in Siman Reish Nun Gimel, Seif Aleph, one of the longest Seifim of halacha in the Shulchan Aruch, and it's focused on, similar to the earlier themes we did, we've been discussing, which is uh, beginning a malacha on Erev Shabbos, and then going into Shabbos with that malacha. So we're talking now about how to organize certain kinds of malachos which require uh, pre-Shabbos setup, but then there's also on-Shabbos utility from a particular malacha. The example here is bishels, different kinds of cooking. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to, uh, you cooked something before Shabbos, at least most of the way, but now you want to leave it sitting on a heat source going into Shabbos. And remember, again, the definition of malacha is the application of our consciousness to the physical world in a way that creates higher states of organization in a way that is permanent. So what we have there is that the, the natural world t- is the, the, what's called the level of asiyah, the, the, the completely concretized physical world is one in which there are certain rules. And the rules are that since there's so much diversity and so many different forces at work, the system tends towards a, a dynamic of, of, we can essentially call it entropy. It, it, it tends towards greater disorder. As if, and, and in, a, in such a context, when you apply consciousness to a system that it tends towards disorder, you can organize it and bring into higher states of order. And that is what malacha is. It's the application of a conscious self to a system that tends towards disorder when left alone uh, to bring into higher states of order and organization and therefore also complexity. And so that high, those higher states of organization uh, are essentially what we create when we engage in this activity called Malacha. And so on on Shabbos, the goal is to try to reduce and actually at least reduce active forms of Malacha 
because the issue with doing malacha is that what, what it essentially uh, entails is the funneling of your consciousness into the physical world, into the structured form of existence. So your consciousness, your neshama, you can think of it as, as all the way at the top of the stack of the vessels that you use to manifest into the world. So you are this intangible self, and then that intangible self is itself rooted in a higher state, which we're going to ignore for now, but it's essentially Hashem's self. And so what you're doing is you're you're translating your neshama consciousness through the world of perceptions and the world of thought and the world of, uh, of, of emotional convictions and behavior physiology into the physical world in a way that now brings consciousness into some kind of constructed finite form or manifestation. And so when we do that, the issue is that because of the Eitz Adas, so it's this tree that we ate from in the beginning of the story of the Chumash, so human beings now have this 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 destructive capacity to actually develop distorted perceptions of reality. And so in this particular uh, uh, example of malacha, what happens is the more that we inject our consciousness into the world to actually make changes happen, the more we begin to associate our identity. We, we develop a sense of ourself as revolving around the capacity for creating change and for creating just in general inside of the physical world and the issue with that is that if you over identify yourself with your creative capacity that can get in the way of your of the truth first of all which is that you are a self that has the ability to be creative but it also can cause you to start uh, neglecting or damaging other areas of your life in the in the distorted perspective that your creative power is the definition of your self-worth of your true value in the world of your very basic existence so we have this we have this set of cycles where and this is a general principle in the torah which is that cycles are kind of a root uh, of how things work once the Eitz story happened cycles became very necessary and in this particular example the cycle is we have six phases six days of the week where we are uh, involved in creative activities and then we have one day where we pull back and try to reattach ourselves to the source of existence in our own perception we're always attached objectively but in our own perception to see ourselves as part of a larger story and to actually remember that we are not creating just for our own self just to make our lives better but as part of an, a larger story a larger truth and the ability to actually cycle into creativity and then out of creativity at will uh, is essentially the the power we're trying to develop by taking six days up for create for creating and one day to stop creating so that's the idea here and so then the question is well once we're once we are trying to create and then also stop creating so it's kind of like this this uh, there's this weird dance that takes place similar to actually uh, what, what takes place on Pesach which is very similar to this because Pesach is a situation in which uh, the entire year we can eat uh, regular gluten foods things chametz what's called in, in Hebrew and that means things like bread and, and uh, all kinds of, uh, of leavened products which essentially means um, glutinous products that have been allowed to rise to some degree and so we eat that all year round then for seven days a year uh, we actually don't eat anything like that, which is pretty difficult to think about that, just to like avoid such a ubiquitous food. I mean, there's just so much uh, chametz everywhere, and then so for one week to basically not have that. And so it's very difficult to actually balance like the, this is okay, then it's not okay, then it is okay, then it's not okay. Uh, there's, you know, we're much more, e we're, it's easier for us to sort of think uh, in, about things in terms of like, well, there are certain things that are just not okay, and there are certain things that are okay. But here we have this oscillation, and that's really, it, it, it really keeps us alive and active in our in our awareness to actually uh, you know to, to constantly have to think through which things are okay and when and to have to really be on our toes it keeps our minds from getting again embedded in particular perceptions where we then become ossified 
and 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 trapped in these narrow perspectives that that stop us from seeing why we're doing what we're doing and understanding what we're doing from a deep place and we see this in the world right now unfortunately the developments of what's called ideologies where people don't even remember why they think what they think anymore there are just certain givens that we all have to just adhere to otherwise we get in trouble or these are acceptable or unacceptable views as opposed to the capacity to actually think through from beginning to end what it is that you think and why and where the ideas that are in your head actually come from so and and, and to be able to actually discuss the ideas that you have in your head to figure out which ones are true, which ones are false, which ones are, are reflective of reality, and which ones are not. And so that's essentially what these cycles are for. They allow us constantly to avoid Das Tovara in a general sense, and in this particular context of the example of Malacha, it's in terms of Das Tovara, specifically in the area of creativity. So the Halacha that we're up to now, again, we're still flowing through Halacha Aleph here, and we're up to this line where it says, Va'afilu ena grufa uktuma, so I'll just read that again, just to explain what that means word by word. So that line means, let's say we're talking, we have a heat source here. Uh, and so we're saying, let's say that heat source is not grufa. So grufa means that the, the whatever the heating things inside of it, they used to have heat sources, which were kind of like boxes that had coals inside of them. So if you're goref, those coals, what it means is you basically sweep them all out. And so then you can use that heat source in certain ways because one of the one of the problems with using a heat source that has live coals inside of it is that even if you set up your food to be cooked on it before Shabbos, so now you did the malacha before Shabbos and you want to let the malacha kind of finish on its own, right? You're now bringing that food to a higher state of order and organization and utility in a permanent sense. You're changing its nature by cooking it. That's what bishul is. It's the malacha of cooking. So, but then you you want to leave it in, into Shabbos in a way that the malacha is kind of taking care of itself. The issue is that if you have live coals there, we're afraid is we want you to have hot food on Shabbos. You're supposed to, like we mentioned in previous episodes, the goal here is to, to live on the edge. In other words, we're not here to just rule out all malacha-related utility in, in every way without ever thinking about it. That would just mean your, that your Shabbos experience would just be cold and dark and there'd be nothing to enjoy because all we want to do is just avoid doing malacha. That's not really, the goal of Shabbos is not just to avoid doing malacha. It's to direct ourselves towards uh, the awareness that there is something beyond malacha and that there is, there is something bigger to life than just creating things. There's a purpose to all of that. And so when you destroy your entire life by turning off your heat, turning off all your lights, uh, not having any hot food, things like that, then you don't achieve awareness of the purpose of what you are. And again, the issue of Das Tovara is not just that you get embedded in, in, in the perspective that you are a creator, and that's it. It's that you lose sight of everything else about what life is for by getting embedded in that perspective. So we have to undo that by properly seeing what life is for. So we spend uh, a lot of time on Shabbos connecting to each other, trying to get deeper in touch with Hashem, with ourselves, to find the pockets within ourselves that are unexplored and to get deeper and more real and more authentic on Shabbos. And so in order to do that, we want to benefit from the malacha that we've done during the week um, so we can actually open ourselves and, and feel relaxed and feel free in a way that is not possible when we are in a malacha headspace, a malacha flow state. So that's that, that's what we're saying here is that we're trying to live on the edge. In other words, we want you to actually be able to heat your food uh, and have hot food for Shabbos, but not in a way that will then cause you to engage in actual easy uh, commonplace malacha on Shabbos. So here we're talking about your go if, if you're goref, the coals out of this this hot box, this oven. 
So then we're not afraid that you might come to stoke the coals on Shabbos, because stoking the coals is a malacha of Havara. It's uh, lighting a fire, essentially, and it's another uh, another one of the 39 different malachot that you could do uh, that can that, that exist. And so we we talk about if you're if you're goreif, if you remove all the coals, so then you're allowed to do certain things. Uh, or you could be kotem them, which is another option, which is where you cover the coals uh, with kind of like a, a dust to, to, to dull them. So here we have an example that's related to that. He says, Let's say you have this oven which is not uh, swept out or is not the coals are not covered in this way. Still, you are allowed to place a, a pot that has food in it next to it on the outside. So until now, we've been talking about putting stuff directly on these oven boxes. Uh, and here we're talking about, well, what, and in order to do that, we had the, the set of opinions that we've seen so far was, well, it depends how. You have to remove the coals or cover them, uh, or or uh, if the food is already fully cooked, maybe then you could do it. Um, but uh, now we're talking about, well, even if you, do, if you still have coals there, if you still have uh, uh, real uh, heating elements that are present, you can still put a pot next to that or near that, not on it, but near it, so that way your your pot can benefit from the heat, even though it's not it's even though there's still live heating elements that are present. Uh, and so we're going to keep seeing examples of this where there's this dance, just like you see in this particular example, that uh, uh, we, we want to benefit from the heat of this box, of this oven, um, but not in a way that can actually come too close to doing malacha. And there are really two issues that the this siman constantly struggles with uh, back and forth in terms of the, the, the actual the actual. Uh, problem of, of trying to use this type of, uh, not just this type, really any heating element on Shabbos. And so one of them is that you might come to actually change the, the heating element and, and engage in Havara, which is, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, is lighting lighting fires or stoking fires or creating fires or expanding fires. That's all are part of the Malacha of Havara. And then the other one is um, is something called Mechzei which is when it looks like you are cooking. And this is a larger problem, which is that it's really the idea of idea contagion, which is when we see other people doing things, so then it creates a certain headspace for ourselves as well, that then we also think either that we're allowed to do those things, or those things are, are somehow exceptional, or that the people that are doing them are, are doing problematic things, uh, and so that's, Mexican Mavashal is part of that, it means that it looks like you're cooking, so if you see somebody else, uh, put, or if you yourself, you have a pot, and you put it on top uh, of your stove, in a way that looks like you're cooking, such as if there's a heating element that is active there, that's also a problem because now it looks like you're cooking and that can impact how other people see you. And these are these are essentially uh, protective Torah mechanisms to reduce uh, uh, malacha exposure and or idea contagion towards things that are that that look okay but are not okay. So one again, there's really two sides to Mechzei Kimavashel. There, one is that it looks like you're cooking. Other people will think you're doing something wrong. So that's something which, in general, we 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 try not to do things that look like we're doing something which is a problem because we want people to to see us clearly for who we are. And Das Tovara again rears it, rears its ugly head in a situation where we're doing something which looks suspicious because people have a difficult time seeing things clearly. And so there's a special halacha specifically about that that you're not supposed to actually do things which look like they are in some way violating the Torah. And then the second aspect is that also by doing things that look like they are uh, halakhically, or they look like they're halakhically problematic, when you do them, even if it's, you're not actually cooking, right? You're putting something on on a heating a heating element in a way that's not actually cooking it, let's say. Uh, and we're, we'll discuss examples of that as we get further in this. 
Um, so even though it's actually completely fine what you're doing, but since it looks like you're cooking, other people will learn and extrapolate from that and, at an idea contagion level to do things that are actually not okay. And so there's a whole array of these types of halachas which we're going to keep unpacking as we go. And we're going to get deeper with each one of them as we see them. I just want to introduce them now so that we understand a little bit better what's going on here. So this particular halacha, again, the, the piece that we just read, is you're allowed to put it next to the, the, your pot, next to the heating source, um, because it's not actually, it doesn't look like you're cooking because it's not on top of it. And it's, uh, and again, since it's not directly in contact with the heating source, so then we're not afraid you're going to come to stoke the heating element and change its level or anything like that, thus creating more fire. So there's no problem with, with that particular uh, example. And so we're going to see, again, there's going to be further examples of all this. And as we get through, try to hold on. It's a pretty long saif, but we're going to keep going piece by piece. And then at the end, we're going to organize all of it properly so you can really see what came out of it. And we're, then we can even go deeper into the underlying explorations of what it actually means uh, in terms of just how to, how to per- perceive the entire saif with all its requisite parts and the deep layers underneath them. So I hope that was helpful and useful. Thanks again for listening, for tuning in. And check us out at usoblocks.com. Subscribe there and support what we're doing. And have an awesome, awesome Shabbos. I'm looking forward to having you join me in the next episode.